0: And I do appreciate the opportunity, so it's good to be a part of this church family. I I just want to say that on behalf of my family, you know, coming from Cambodia, we really feel like we've arrived and we're home, and so we love you guys. So, Psalm 23, let's read this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. My head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, would you help us to know what this means more? That you are our shepherd and that you lead, guide, and protect us and ultimately restore our soul. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So in the summer of 2008, believe it or not, I was a grass seed combine driver. And on one summer day, our crew leader is driving us out, and he played this song with with these lyrics. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks my mind is gone but I ain't ever crossed a man that didn't deserve it me be treated like a punk you know that's unheard of you better watch out how you're talking or where you're walking or you and your homies might be lined in chalk now I know I know it's a rather cliche youth pastor move to quote a song from pop culture. But that 1995 Grammy Award winning hit talks about an essential reality. There is no hope in the valley of the shadow of death without God. All one is left to do is either blame circumstances, others, and then become your own shepherd. In fact, there is much to fear when calamity strikes, because we do not possess the ability to sustain life. We have no power to overcome that obstacle. The assumption that song starts with is also correct. Finding yourself in the valley of the shadow of death is not a matter of if. It's only a matter of when. And when it does, for the Christian, because God is our shepherd, it doesn't change our future. It does not cause us to fear. Because God entered and remains our shepherd in the valley. In fact, I believe David is saying God intentionally led you through and into the valley. That is because what David is teaching us is that in the psalm, the Christian life is centered around God's presence and glory and our satisfaction of it. In the first few verses... God is the good shepherd who looks after the needs of his sheep. As such, in verses 3 and 4, he protects and leads as he brings about his will in our lives. And in 5 and 6, he is the perpetually benevolent host who has welcomed us eternally into his home. With Yahweh as our shepherd, we have all we need Because the Christian life is one marked by God's presence. And like David, may we find comfort and satisfaction from that. So in this sermon today, I want to answer three questions that inform and reinforce this idea. First, who is this shepherd? Who is the shepherd? Second, what does he do? And then finally, why is he doing it? why to the first question who is the shepherd though would have been appropriate and theologically consistent david doesn't say the king is my shepherd nor the rock of ages nor the mighty fortress he doesn't even say god or lord i'll come back to that or the creator is my shepherd though all of them are implied Instead of using these titles or abstract concepts, David uses God's personal name, Yahweh. This is purposefully intimate and relational. And I, I think it actually brings some form of clarity to David being a man after God's own heart. Yet, David didn't just say God's name to express relational intimacy. There's a specific substance behind this name that is of utmost importance. God's name and who he is, what he has done, his nature and character and actions can't be separated. That is why we are not permitted to take the Lord's name in vain. It isn't just a word to toss around in our vocabulary because it speaks. Of who God is. God first introduced his name to us. In, to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3. Listen to this. Verse 13 and 14. Then Moses says to God. If I come to the people of Israel. And say to them. The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me. What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, "I am who I am." And He said, "Say this to the people of Israel: I am has sent me to you." God's name and David's use of it will become just a little clearer as we continue one more verse. God also said to Moses, "Say this to the people of Israel: The Lord." There's there's our Psalm twenty three use. The Lord. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, did you catch that? It almost seems like there's two names of God, doesn't it? Is it I am who I am from verse 14? Or is it verse 15, the Lord? Well, yes. And it points us, that reality points us to the beauty and grandeur of God's name. It isn't two names, but two ways of saying the same name. You see, I am who I am is only what God gets to say. Only God can say, I am who I am, because it's the first person use of his name. Ironically, his name is so versatile that he doesn't have to refer to himself in the third person. You ever met those people? Like, oh yeah, Stephen does this. Stephen does that. And It sounds rather awkward, but God doesn't have to do that. And so we, on the other hand, say he is, or in Hebrew, Yahweh, Or as we read in Psalm 23, the Lord in all capitals. Whenever you see the Lord in all caps, it's God's personal name. And by that, we are saying he is who he is. Now, why is that significant? Because his name literally means in some degree or fashion, life or being or existence. He will cause to be what is. In him is existence and without him is nothing. Or to dip our toes into Revelation again for a moment. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. With God's name, we are understanding an essential part of who he is. All of life depends upon him, and he depends on nothing for life. That is because he is who he is. Theologians call this God's divine aseity, or his self-existence. And as God chose to reveal himself, his very name speaks to it. Now, let's come back to Psalm 23 for a second. David says, the author and source of life is my shepherd. Of course, I will never lack. Of course, I will never need. Because he will cause to be. Whatever he deems appropriate for me to have. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. So who is this shepherd? The Lord, the great I am. The origin of all life who causes to be. Is that your shepherd? As you ponder that, it's important to note that To be one of his sheep, you must be of his fold. It's not a generic use that we just get to say. In verse 15, he said back in Exodus chapter 3, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. His covenant people are his sheep. And the good shepherd said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. You must be a part of that covenant community to be his sheep. So today, I just want to put that before you. If you're not his sheep, there's only one course of action for you. Repent. Repent. On to question two. What does this shepherd do for his sheep? What is this shepherding care he provides? Why would you even want to be one of his sheep? It is almost entirely appropriate to say he does it all, even though that'd be rather reductionistic and simple. We could just close right there and pray. He does it all. But this psalm also implies something very humbling to us. If he is a shepherd, we are these things called sheep. Now, sheep are not the most keen animal walking around on the planet Earth with four legs. I don't know if you've ever seen sheep, but something I learned this week is that sheep if they lay down and they roll over just enough, they can't get back on their legs. They're they're that dependent. Like they they will literally roll over and die if you don't go set them up. Now, if somebody's a shepherd out there and you know, wants to prove that wrong, please help me. But, that, I mean, sheep are dependent upon everything for life. And that need and dependence the shepherd gives. It is important to note that when David says, God is my shepherd, he's not saying it like we would say, you know, Chuck's my dentist. Or Bob's my mechanic. We don't just go to him for a yearly physical and be like, Well, that was good. See you in another year. The shepherd is an ongoing, everyday, leading, guiding, caring process. We can do nothing without him. Furthermore, it is important to address David's statement, I shall not want. Now, I don't know about you, but when that hits my ears, I think, God is my shepherd. I shouldn't want anymore. Just fix your desires. Fix, fix, fix. And to be clear, our affections, desires, wants, need to be under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit. But that isn't what David is teaching here. What he is saying is, God is your shepherd. You don't have lack. You don't have needs anymore. All of them are taken care of by the shepherd. Look at what follows in the context. He's being brought to green pastures, still waters restoration, right paths, peace among danger, feasting among enemies, anointing, everlasting dwelling. This is not a shepherd who doesn't adequately take care of his sheep. This is a shepherd who abundantly provides and takes pride in his care. But that brings us to two very important elements. That we need to hold in balance when we say, God's our shepherd. The first is, it doesn't mean we get everything we ever wanted. We only get what he gives us. And two, nor does it mean we live a life suddenly free from all the cares and anxieties of the world. In fact, it might be the exact opposite. Now that God is leading your life, you will actually have to enter the valley of the shadow of death that you might have been avoiding up until now. But with Yahweh as our shepherd, we don't just get food, water, stuff, we get Him. We get Him. He is the prize. The reason David doesn't fear in the valley of the shadow of death is because God is with him. He didn't abandon him when things got tough. It's the true gift. God's very presence, ownership and responsibility he has for what belongs to him. He also understands and confidently relies upon the power of the shepherd. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David's shepherd, God, our shepherd, fights for his sheep. He defends them. We do not serve a weak God. Jesus, and I want to ask the question then, how is it possible? How is this possible that God is our shepherd? Jesus says in John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is because he was simultaneously the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We cry now, God is my shepherd, because he cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We lie down in green pastures because he was laid in a tomb. Our soul is restored because his was sorrowful and troubled. We walk through the shadow of death because he humbled himself to death on a cross. We are anointed at a banquet because he was anointed for burial. Our cup overflows because he said, I thirst and drank the cup of God's wrath. And we dwell in the house of the Lord because he ransomed us from hell. You see, note, note that last benefit there. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the things that struck me this week is God's shepherding care doesn't just end at death. It goes on perpetually forever. He continues to provide for us eternally as He invites you into His home. That's a good shepherd. His sheep are perpetually under His care and with them forever we get to spend. How great is that? Revelation 21, three, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That is our hope. That is our shepherd. One who doesn't just care for our stuff now and then just leave us to be. We get the prize at the end of the day. That leads us to answer one final question. Why? Why would he do this? Look again with me at the second half of verse three. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake or for his own reputation, for his own glory. In a way, we we're coming back full circle to the name of God. But now his shepherding role is done to protect and promote his name. Now, this might strike us as odd at first, seeming maybe a little egotistical. But God cannot do anything but for the sake of his name. As we already talked about, there is nothing greater, better, or causing existence besides God. Therefore, if he were to give credit where credit isn't due, God would err. And God does not err. For he is just, righteous, and good. And if we keep digging, this is also very comforting. Because it takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? It's comforting because this does not diminish or eliminate what he has done for us. You see, God can do things for his name and still give good gifts. God's glory and our good are not mutually exclusive. The friction comes from when we believe our good is not the good God has for us. However, you know, it can give us great assurance of what God does give to us because it's for the sake of his name. It's not a false pretense. Furthermore, the pressure is off. Our sinful nature wants everything to be about us, doesn't it? I did it my way. Frank Sinatra saying. In reality, though, we know that would crush us. We cannot rise to that standard, no matter how hard we try. God alone is sovereign. The last time I checked, every human ever born died. We often mistake this life in Christianity, even at times to be all about us when in fact it's all about God. And that is the best news imaginable, because look at how this psalm describes him benevolent, caring, protective, powerful, good and merciful, steadfast in covenant love and faithfulness. Present and near, there is nothing we need that he doesn't supply. And he takes great delight in supplying it. It also reminds us why we are instructed to pray. Hallowed be your name. And that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Praise be to God for who he is, what he does, and why he does it. As we close, I I want us to return to the central idea of this psalm. That is, the Christian life is centered around God's presence and glory and our satisfaction of it. For none other than Yahweh is our shepherd. He is benevolent and caring. Takes proper ownership and responsibility of his own, all while getting the proper praise and honor due his name. Could you imagine if our culture wrote a song like this? How void of comfort and beauty it would be? I think it would sound like this I am my shepherd. I control my destiny. My 401k makes me lie down in green paper <laughs> I lead myself to all my desires vacation restores my soul I lead myself in paths of well-being for my name's sake I will never walk through the valley of the shadow of death my meditation app suggests I look inside myself and believe it isn't real I prepare my own table free from any concern or worry I make myself worthy because I have caused myself abundance. Only greatness and esteem shall follow me all the days of my life and I will happily dine in hell forever. Praise be to God that isn't our song. For Yahweh is our shepherd and we shall not want. Let's pray.